The scripture reading is from Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make them glorious, the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exalt when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders the rod of their oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be an endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. One of the most beautiful passages that we read at the Christmas time. Uh, it contains it all. Really, because it talks about the hope, it talks about the joy, it talks about the peace. It's not too much about love. But if you cannot find love and hope, joy, and peace, I don't know where you can find it. <laughs> so the passage starts by a promise. It's a promise. The whole passage is a promise. That the promise is that this baby that is born on Christmas Eve. This baby, this was saying rather, he will do these things. And the first thing the passage says is that he will take away the anguish. And we live in times of anguish, don't we? We call it sometimes anxiety. It's anguish, it's deep anguish. It's that feeling that there's no place we can go that will be better, that there's nothing we can do that will make it better, that, that all our hopes and all our desires for a better world are a waste of time. That's the anguish, the existential anguish in which we live. Not just this month or last month, because there's a conflict in, between the state of Israel and Gaza, but this has been happening 
I would dare to say forever. Humans have lived in conflicts that took away their peace, not only obviously because if you're in a war, the children have it clear, don't they? If, if there is a war, there's no peace, that's very obvious. But also because even when we don't see that war, it takes our personal peace away to know what's going on. America has been a master of fighting low-intensity wars around the world. Wars that we don't see, other than in TV. It's like another show. We have mastered that technique. We don't see the black body bags in our streets. We don't see demolished buildings. We don't see, we don't hear the explosion of bombs around. We don't see any of that. America, the United States of America had been attacked only twice in history, after the American Revolution, of course, and one was Pearl Harbor, American territory very removed from the continent. We didn't see much in this part of the land. In 9-11, those are the only times when we have been under attack. And yet, we have managed to be involved in every other war around the world. And we are, if you think the only two wars that are going on are Gaza and Ukraine, you were in for a surprise. We are still involved everywhere. You know that we have over 800 military bases around the world. We seem to be the police of the world, making sure not that everybody behaves, but that everybody behaves the way we like it. I don't know about you, but that produces anguish in my my soul. Hmm. This is no way to start a message on peace. So let me start again. The passage that we read talks about Galilee of the nations. Let me tell you something about scripture. Scripture has many writers. Many books, 66 books in the Bible, many writers. Not quite 66, but many writers. And uh, there are some writers who are prophets of discontinuity and some writers that are prophets of continuity. Have you heard this before? Good. Teaching you something new. <laughs> uh, prophets of continuity are people like Nehemiah saying don't marry people who are not from the, uh, from, from our nation. Uh, we want a continuity of this line, lineage, this heritage that we have to offer. And then there are the prophets of discontinuity, the ones who say, all of a sudden, something will be different, is different, and different is good. And I say as one of them, Isaiah refers over and over to this Galilee of the nations. God is the God of the nations in Isaiah. In other uh, books, like I said, God is the God of the people of Israel. But if you read Ruth, Ruth is a prophet of discontinuity. 
Ruth is the, the, the foreigner, the stranger who comes into the lineage, uh, disrupts the system, and becomes one of the ancestors of Jesus. So that's the Bible for you in a nutshell. You have continuity and discontinuity. I'm partial to discontinuity myself. Jesus seemed to be the one who has the best balance between the two because Jesus is constantly reminding the people that he came to fulfill the law by breaking it. So, he has them both. Galilee of the nations is this piece of the land in the world that, had, that, that was a mix of peoples. There was a, 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 a passage for merchants. It was a passage for people from all kinds of lands, from the Far East to the West, and from the West to the Far East. And they passed by Galilee, and they, they stayed. Many of them stayed. And many of them got married there and made their home there. In, in, in those sects uh, in, in Israel at the time of Jesus that were all for purity, they despised the Galileans. They did because they were mutts, because they were mestizos, because they were a mix of peoples. A mix. They were not white, they were brown and black. Ooh. Yeah. And they didn't like them. Sounds familiar? And Jesus came. And Jesus was one of these months, you know? Mixed heritage. Yeah. Read Matthew chapter 1, and you'll see the mixed heritage of Jesus. And Jesus came to bring light. To bring light. And I'm going to say this with fear and trembling because I know that some phrases have become triggers, uh, but I don't know how else to say it. The scripture says it this way, and we don't like to repeat that, but the world is in darkness, and, and the reason it's a trigger is because it seems like always we use everything that is dark to mention everything that is bad, and that's very racist. And I don't mean to do that. But you bring light to a room with no light, and all of a sudden, there's no complete darkness anymore. Even in a room as big as this, that, is co that may be completely dark, you turn on one candle, just one candle, and now there is light. There's no complete darkness anymore. And the baby of Bethlehem brings that little candle, that little light into the world. And it grew. And it grew. And 2,000 years later, we're still celebrating, still celebrating that he came to bring light. Remember, this is a promise. Do we still see darkness? Oh, plenty. But let me tell you a little story. I... As you know, I was a pastor in San Jose, California, at a church that had a ministry with, with the houseless. 
and uh, we had a lot of them. Uh, they slept in the in, in the church. We had some programs with some of them uh, to develop living skills for independence, and uh, and I talk a lot to them, a lot with them. Uh, they came a day and night. I was in my office during the week, and uh, they came uh, all day long, knocking on the door. No, not, not as some may suspect to ask for things, but to ask for prayer. Many of them came to offer to volunteer in the church. Many of them came because they just had um, insights about God and they wanted to share them with me. So I had a ball. I had an amazing ministry with those folks. I was busy all week, but, uh, but it was worthwhile. I have found more faith among these folks than I have in many other churches. So they know the light. And you pass an encampment and you may think, oh, that's the embodiment of darkness, right? They don't have electric lights. They don't have, uh, they don't have enough heat for the winter. They don't have anything. We collect things for Christmas. We tend to collect socks and mittens and scarves and things like that to protect them from the, from the elements of the weather. And many times we don't realize that their knowledge of Jesus is so profound and so amazing. So Jesus is the one who brings light into situations like that, into situations, desperate situations, situations of uh, immigrants who, immigrant women who go into prostitution because really they're being trafficked and live in the dark. Jesus came to bring light. But Jesus also came to break the yoke of oppression. Remember this, is a promise. It's aspirational, right? Because the oppression we still see. It seems to me like this whole passage has been written for the poor of the earth. For those oppressed in any way. For those who have been on the sideways and byways of life. Yeah. A passage written for those who have been always considered less than us. And they're in every country around the earth. And there are oppressors in every country around the earth. The, the earth are people who seem to devote their lives to their own wishes and whims. And, and they get them at the expense of others. But he came. And the scripture says, like in the day of Midian. Do you remember that story? That was the story of Gideon. Gideon was one of the judges of Israel, and, and Gideon uh, didn't have an army, and uh, put together 22,000 people and ended up with only 300 to go and, 
and wage war with these uh, people. The median, median is what uh, was, what is now uh, Saudi Arabia, that part of the, the, the earth, the planet. And uh, they were always raiding Israel. They were always getting in and destroying their uh, crops and, and doing all kinds of things to them. And Gideon, who was no army person, no soldier, with, a, with an army of 300 who were not suited, well suited for war, with barely any money and barely any weapons, really won this war against the Midians for justice sake, just because God was with them. Not because they were Israel, but because... God is always on the side of the one who's suffering. And at that time, that was Israel. So what side is God today? When there are people suffering genocide, when there are people suffering all kinds of persecution, death, torture, imprisonment, false imprisonment, illegal imprisonment, everywhere. I know I come from a country like that. I come from a country where we just had a, three military men who thought they were it. And they decimated a whole generation, my generation, a people who were, like I said, and I repeat, tortured and killed and imprisoned. Their babies taken away. Here in the United States, we don't have that. Unless you were in the army and you went to fight someone else, we don't have much idea of what it's like to be afraid of getting out of the door of your house because you don't know what you're going to find out there. And the baby of Bethlehem came to finish all wars. It's a promise. Did you read it there? For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be buried as fuel for the fire. I don't know about you, but I read this and I get happy. This is my source of happiness. The day when our countries of the world will not need an army. The day when we can put our money to build housing for the houseless instead of increasing our defense budget. than to believe the days today, but the, the government doesn't agree with me. No more wars. I live for that day. I don't know if I'm going to see it. But it's my prayer that my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren would see a world like that one day. A day when he will establish an order of things with justice and peace forever. And why? For a child has been born for us. 
a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. And this is nothing but a metaphor for the kingdom of God, God on earth, on all the nations, on all the nations. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time over and forevermore. Let us keep praying. Let us keep our hopes up. We may not see it, but this world is not only for us. God bless you all for listening. Thank you.